Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the best unranked sports podcast on iTunes, the final third. In case you guys forgot, my name is Alex, alongside me, the number one Chicago Fire fan, and for some reason, a Juan Carlos Osorio supporter, Ben Meza, Mr. Ben Meza, how are you, sir? Yes, hello, Alex, it's great to be back, we're bringing the pod, the final third, right at the perfect point of soccer, we have... UEFA Champions League quarterfinals and World Cup qualifiers. And I'm not going to cost you $4.5 million in a designated player contract, besides <laughs> me being your biggest Fire fan. Talk I about am it. no Schweinsteiger. Yes! The Fire <laughs> got their foosball got their soccer god, as that translates into German. Um, I am so excited for Bastian to come on board. You make good players fit into your team. And that means the fire are ready to win now. Having been a supporter for, God, since I, I, I probably the majority of the past decade, which is when the fire have really been poor, um, I'm really excited to see this signing. Biggest one since Blanco. Oh, for sure. And he he's a winner. He's a winner. He was born a winner. He's going to die a winner. He is a winner. And I think that's what Chicago Fire needs. If his knees hold up. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> I know a couple doctors that um, that I can recommend them to ah, if if, okay. if he needs it. But uh, you see what I did there? Need a uh, uh, bad joke? Oh boy! Bad way to and start. And the, the puns show. have started. Here we go. All right. So, for those of you listening, the three people listening—my mom, my dad, and my brother—well, um, Jaime, my cousin, he's going to be listening too. Shout out to him. Uh, you might be wondering, hey Alex, where was the podcast? Um, uh, I have a good explanation. First of all, um, I wanted to take a break from this. It was um, it was something that I didn't want to force on myself because I do not want to bring out shitty content because what goes under my name can't be shitty because that's my brand. So what I did, I explored new things. I started doing YouTube uh, and I thought that I liked it. I thought that I would like to play FIFA um, in front of a, of a microphone and a camera. It sucks, dude, because you can't you can't do what you usually do when you play FIFA, you know? So I just stuck to playing FIFA, and I'm not going to do YouTube for that anymore. But hey, at least I tried it. I tried it. Yeah, uh, I know that's a big trend coming out now, but yeah, I'm a bit of a FIFA purist myself. I mean, I'm, I, I don't really do the commentary or online. I mean, I think I'm a pretty kick-ass FIFA player, but... You know, sometimes you just got to enjoy it for what it is, so... Yeah, you know. for sure, and... I thought I would enjoy doing it. I even bought a, like a little TV, and now I'm probably going to give that to my brother for his birthday that's coming up. But uh, yeah, and then after that, I discovered that I enjoy writing. I like writing. Apparently, something that I absolutely hated back in high school. Now I do it, not for a living, obviously, but I am a contributor now at playingfor90.com. I am a Liga MX and the Mexican national team contributor. So um, I'll have the link in the description to, to my... Um, all my articles that I, I come out with at least two or three a week. And this week, man, this week, so much information, so much to talk about, such little time. And now, apparently, I'm a writer and I do a podcast, which is something that I did not think I would do. Congratulations. Thank that you media very much. exposure, that's what it's all about. Yes, um, it is. Just beware that Juan Carlos Osorio might be sending you an angrily worded letter. I, uh, I don't care what he says, dude. I, I do not care what he right. says. This is my job. My job is to rip him to shreds. If he does good, if he does, 
sorry, if he does bad, if he does good, I'll praise him. I've praised him a couple times, just not in front of a microphone. Well, uh, <laughs> you'll get a chance to eat some of those words today. Let's just I, say that. You know, I hope he makes me eat my words on Friday and next Tuesday. That's when I hope I eat my words. And, you know, I thought I was going to be happy after the Copa America. I can't believe I'm still talking about that. Uh, yeah. It, it sucks. It sucks. But anyway, let's dive right in because we have so much to talk about. The icebreaker. Let's talk about the Champions League. Uh, very interesting draw for the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Leicester got the wrong Madrid. They got Atletico instead of Real. It's been a joke on social media like the entire week. It's pretty funny. Sorry, Real Madrid fans. It's pretty funny. But Ben, what do you think about this draw for the quarterfinals? Yeah, well, if you want to start with Leicester City, um, you know, I do think that they got the wrong Madrid from Leicester's perspective. Leicester probably would have preferred a team that kept possession, yeah, that they could hold back and then hit on the counter. Atletico almost played the same way as them. Uh, I see this as a real clash of the fairy tales. Uh, you know, you have Atletico, who years back disrupted the duopoly of Barcelona and Madrid. And, um, you know, they're 10 points off of the league pace right now. And Simeone has reduced his contract. So there's this end of an era feeling at Atletico Madrid. But in the Champions League, they are progressing well, um, continuing with their style of defending in long, for long periods of the game. And then going forward with bursts uh, led by the likes of Antoine Griezmann to really hit on the counter. Um, when it comes to Leicester, no precedent. For a game like this. That was what the UEFA uh, representative who drew this match said. No precedent for this game ever. And that's absolutely right. Most people don't think that Leicester deserve to be here. Um, and uh, having lost to Sevilla in, the, in that first game and then coming back, they defy common sense. Um, they look to be returning to the same team as last year, at least in this late stage, which is important for them to avoid that relegation. Yeah, uh, I think this game is gonna be, it's gonna be two teams defending. It's, I wouldn't even be surprised if they go to penalties. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they go to penalties because Leicester, when they want to, they defend pretty well. And Griezmann, he can he can shut down for a few minutes. Sometimes it could be the most important minutes of the game that he shuts down. So this is gonna be interesting, <laughs> like previewing and like hyping up the game. But like during the game. It's probably not going to be the most interesting game to watch. If you're a casual fan, if you are more of a purist like us two, I think we would enjoy like the defensive styles of both teams. I think so. It, it certainly is going to be a chess match between the two. The player that I'm looking to be the key player is Jamie Vardy. Um, he is not the best striker in the world by any means. No. He may be the most annoying striker in the world. Oh. I mean, he drew that headbutt from Nasri in the in the last game. I mean, this guy has a way of getting under people's skins. Not even that, and... dude. The way he pressures. Uh, Rami, center back for Sevilla, was terrified. Every time Jamie Vardy would run at him. Rami will just look both ways, look back. Oh, I'm going to pass it to my goalie. That's the safest bet. And he he had him terrified uh, the last 90 minutes, not the first 90. Jamie Vardy's on fire. Your defense is terrified. Jamie <laughs> Vardy's on fire. That's a that's a song they have. <laughs> that's a good song. Anyways, yeah, um, I, yeah I do think that um, he does hustle and harass the defense nonstop. So um, Atletico's going to have to deal with that. Yeah, they're going to have to deal with that and Riyad Mahrez, 
who is oh, a guy yeah. that... Yeah, he's, I think he's kind of faded off a little bit, to be honest. I mean, compared to last season, true, definitely not true. the player that he was. Um, but on the Atletico Madrid side, God, they have a good midfield. Yes, they do. Coque, that guy is, uh, you know, he's going to be leading the Spanish national uh, midfield, I believe. I, I think he's exceptional. And uh, with Torres up front, it's going to be a big ask. There's no doubt that Atletico have players with higher European pedigree, but I'm predicting the Foxes to pip uh, Atletico, and it may go to penalties. You know, um, I wasn't going to give a prediction for any of these games, but you inspired me to. I think Leicester City, man. I would love to see Leicester City in a Champions League semifinals. Is it going to happen? It's going to be tough, and I'm going to have to agree with you on this. I think they are going to go to penalties, and Atletico, they're going to remember that penalty shootout against Real Madrid back in May. Nightmares. In Milan. And they're going to lose it. Leicester City to the semifinals. How beautiful is that? Mm. Well, it'll depend on who they draw, I guess. But, I mean, it is amazing. I mean, the the Cinderella run is something in its own. And um, in our next game, I see uh, Borussia Dortmund versus Monaco. And I'm really excited about this This game. is a completely different game compared oh, to yes. Atletico and Leicester. That's without a doubt. Um, Europe's youngest talents and two of the most watchable teams, I believe, in the oh, tournament. Yeah, they're uh, fucking awesome. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel and uh, Leonardo Jardim, they do prefer attack attacking over defending. Um, I look to Dortmund, who have Christian Pulisic and Usmane Dembele, um, who are both 18 and 19, respectively. How on earth are they cracking into this first team and in the Champions League quarterfinals, it's amazing. Now, they don't always click. And that's something to be expected of a young team. But with uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang up front, he has the pace to turn a game on its head. He, uh, he's he been living a pretty good moment, actually. I think he's scored in like his last six games, something like that. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but You're he's right. been... He's been on fire, and it's funny because back in it was last month when he came back from the from the African Cup of Nations. He said that he didn't feel good, that he didn't feel well, he, he didn't feel fit because of that trip over to to Africa. And I think that um, that tournament was played in his home country. And he said he didn't feel good. Then all of a sudden, he just I think he took a, a couple games off or whatever, some time to recover, and he's on fire. Well, he's back on the biggest stage now, so we'll have to see how he turns up. On Monaco's side, I do believe they have players that will soon be household names. I'm talking about Mbappe and Fabinho in particular. Fabinho started on the left wing as uh, as a fullback. Mm-hmm. Now Jardim has seen his potential to be a center midfielder. He can be yeah. box to box, and he has the talent to do it. Um, I look to him to be signed by a bigger European team uh, in the summer transfer window. And I do believe that Monaco are the more cohesive team here. I think that Borussia Dortmund sometimes can't find that consistency. So I'm picking Monaco to move on. Oh. You disagree? Yes, I do. I think Borussia Dortmund, even though they are a young team, they are a young team as well. I think that they do have a little bit more experience. They they do have some players that that are obviously more experienced. Uh, well, I think Gutsay is out for the season, isn't he? Mm. I I believe so, but they do have like Aubameyang. He is uh, a player that does have experience. I, he didn't play the cha- that Champions League final. No, he he didn't. But but he's he's older. He's much older. And then I I think that that chemistry that that they can potentially have between the youngsters and the older guys, um, like Schmelzer and Weidenfeller, because he's been playing Champions League games. Um, 
with the uh, obviously the young and the old i think that that would be a a good well it obviously if the chemistry is right that's a good combination and i think borussia dortmund has enough in in the team and they uh, i'm pretty sure they're they're gonna pull through and beat monaco it's not gonna be easy by any means not easy at all but they are gonna advance probably by a goal that's that's okay. about it you know yeah, it should be a close one, but definitely a watchable tie. Oh, so yeah, I'm looking for forward sure. to that for sure. All right, next game. What do we have? Yeah, you've well, now we're moving on to the big four. All okay. right. Juventus and Barcelona. This, in my opinion, is the marquee matchup of the round. Yes, over Real Madrid and Bayern. Um okay. Okay. these two teams have very talented attacks and aging defenders. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about PK, Chiellini in the back, uh Barzagli. I mean, they're clearly getting older and uh there are some great attacking talents on both of these teams. Higuaín, Dybala, who I know has had some health issues, uh, and then of course MSN, uh Messi Suarez, Neymar up top. So, um have Juventus actually been challenged this season? This is the issue that I have. I don't think they have. They got past Porto and are 8 points atop of Serie A. But that's almost average for them because they're playing teams like Roma and Napoli who on their day can beat the best teams. But I don't think they're world class like the rest of them. So I don't. Th- I think that this is the first time that Juventus have been challenged by a world class team this year. How and do you think they're going to respond to that? Well, I think that they're going to resort to defending. Uh, they defend very well in numbers. Uh, the Italians. Le- Leonardo Benucci, yep, will initiate that Catenaccio um, with Gigi Buffon in the back, of course, you know, putting, getting everybody together. Um, and I think it's really sad that Gigi Buffon hasn't won a Champions League. He's been runner-up twice. It's almost... It's almost like God has a grudge against him because he's one of the greatest goalkeepers I've ever seen. It's kind of like he, DiCaprio in the Oscars. Yeah, you kind know, of sometimes like that. sometimes it's just not meant to happen, you know. <laughs> but I think maybe not this season, unless they beat Barca. If they beat Barca, man, I, they're my favorites. They so, could, to to go all the way. They certainly could keep going on. Um, Barcelona, in my in my opinion, have the talent to win the treble, the league, the cup. And the Champions League. And after that comeback, I think that their their confidence just went through the roof. They were uh, unbelievable. Yeah, there must be a lot of self-belief in the team right now. Um, now, I do see Messi is getting into that consistently great era of his career, but you're not seeing as many of those long-bursting runs you know, what, that you would see in his youth. So it's definitely a different period for him. And while I still believe that he is consistently great, and I do not use great lightly, there are only there are very few great players in this world. Um, I think that he is going to need help from Suarez, that consistent goal contributor, and Neymar is going to have to show up because Neymar is really the wild card, and he has that youthful spirit. In Neymar that loves Barcelona big games. Team. Neymar loves big games, and I wouldn't doubt if he scores a couple in this in this tie, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you talk about talent and Barcelona, obviously, I think having Messi, Suarez, and Neymar should almost be illegal. You shouldn't be able to have three <laughs> amazing players. And I'm going to take Lengthen you, the transfer ban. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't have that many good players. But I look back at the team, and those are the only great players that Barcelona has. 
Iniesta isn't living a good moment. Rakitic, he he was good the first season. The second season, he dropped the, this third season. He's not even a consistent starter. Sergio Busquets, um, he's on, he's off. And then that defense, it's been terrible for years. It's it's been it it's super slow. First of all, it's really slow. Well, I'm talking about the center backs, right? Well, they play with three now. I think mm-hmm. they play with three. And well, Umtiti kind of he he rejuvenated that that defense, but he's, yeah, he's not. He's a youngster coming up through the ranks, but he's not there yet. Yeah, he's not there yet to kind of put the team or that defense at least on on his back. I actually think, I think that this is going to be a series that's going to surprise many people. And I, th- I actually have Juventus going through. Hmm. You know, I think that this matchup is going to be... The, I think both of these teams are better suited for a shootout than a defensively long game because both of their defenses are old, aging, and slow. Uh, Donny Alves, though. Think about him coming back. That's, yeah. That's a little side note right there. Um, but back to the topic. I think Barcelona will be going through by one goal. One goal margin. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so I have Juventus, you have Barcelona, then in the last one I had uh, Dortmund, you had Monaco, right? And then we agreed on the first one? Yes, that's correct. All right. So that brings us to our last one. Oh man, this one's going to be good. Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, the reigning and defending European champion against the reigning and defending German champion for the last, how many years has Bayern been champion? Like five? (laughs) They just should stop keeping count i mean until somebody else comes in yeah <laughs> they're well, turning it into the scottish league over in germany i mean there's hardly anybody who can keep up with bayern let me give you a statistic here oh, bayern God. have not lost a game since november and that was another champions league game that they dropped to fc rostov and they were playing mostly bench players because they were already through they haven't lost a game since november how do you do that uh well consistent goal-scoring strength. And you also got to keep in mind that Thomas Mueller hasn't had the best of seasons. I think he has like two goals the entire season. I don't think they really miss him. Lewandowski is the third leading goal scorer in the Champions League and the Bundesliga. And they have Douglas Costa, who's like one of the fastest players I've ever seen. In FIFA, he's good too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he really is. Oh, God, I'd love to have him on my team. Um, and then look to Carlo Ancelotti. This is really a grudge match for him. I mean, Real Madrid let him go, and he's going to come back and show them really what could have been. Um, I'm really excited to, to watch this tie. What oh, do you think of sure. Madrid's uh, prospects in this? Because it's, you know, both of these teams are kind of, if you looked at this draw, they might be the two big like favorites to win the entire thing. So one of them is going to be going out here. And... I, I hope it's Real Madrid first of all, because uh, I don't like Real Madrid. I think my <laughs> I, I think my friends know. Um, listen, Real Madrid, they I think haven't had much competition this entire season. Not like Juventus where they haven't had any at all. But Real Madrid, they they have that luxury to take some games off and play their bench. Barcelona too, you know. Barcelona can do the same because they play in the same league, obviously. Uh, but Real Madrid hasn't been in, impressive at all, at all. I don't. If they play at nine in the morning, unless they're playing against Barcelona or against Atletico, I'm staying in bed. I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna watch them. They they do not impress me at all. They should impress me because they have such a great team, and that's how they should play. Zinedine Zidane, yes, he won the Champions League. But that team was pretty much built already. He just came in, and he's like, okay, guys, let's go. Let's do this. And the players pretty much coached themselves. Not taking anything away from Zinedine Zidane because he's a coach, and I'm not. Um, but 
you know, and, and I've also heard people say, oh, this is the student against the teacher. What? The student against the teacher? Uh, if well, if anything, Sinedine Sidan is still in school. Uh, yeah, this is his first job. I mean, that, this, this is like his internship, you know? <laughs> well, that's a big, big office to have an internship yes, at. It's, it Real, it's Real freaking Madrid. Yes, it is. But... You know, I think that Zidane has good control of this locker room. I think that the players are motivated. Um, I looked at Cristiano Ronaldo, and I still see him as... Eh, I'm going to put him in the top three. I think that he might be being nudged over a little bit. Um, Messi's still number one. But, I mean, there are some up-and-coming players, especially Neymar, who need to be considered. Um and then Sergio Ramos seems to be the emerging talisman of the team. Could yeah. you would you say that? Would you buy that if I said that Sergio Ramos means more to that team than Cristiano Ronaldo? I wrote an say? article about that. Did you? I, I did. It was a Champions League one, and I said that uh, Real Madrid didn't need Cristiano Ronaldo's goals because they had Sergio Ramos. So I would definitely buy it. Uh, I think that Sergio Ramos. I think he's better at set pieces scoring off of a set piece than he is actually defending which is his job isn't it that's his job yeah to, that to, is to his defend. job um so yeah i think that madrid of course in the last round they put napoli to the sword 6-2 in aggregate but you know napoli's not that yeah, big of a side saw it coming. um i'm taking bayern in this tie i think that they go through just because they have greatness all over the pitch and uh, they're going to move on to be my favorite to win the entire thing. I wouldn't mind seeing them win the Champions League. And I think that um, if they advance, they're going to be up there with, with Juventus, who I think is going to advance. And they should be the favorites, probably the bigger favorites, bigger than, than Juventus for sure. Um, but yeah, man, do you have anything else to say about... Uh, about the Champions, the Champions League, League. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for it to come back. I mean, I know that there's long breaks in these match days, but it's building up the tension. And it will really emphasize how much we miss Champions League soccer. It's awesome. I, I love the Champions League. Now well, we have something to fill the break, don't we, Yes, Alex? we do. Let's talk about the World Cup qualifier. I, I love the World Cup qualifiers. Dun, 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 dun. I, I was talking to my brother. I'm like, hey, are you going to watch uh, Argentina and Chile tomorrow? He's like, no, nah, dude, I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm like, what? what? Are you kidding me? Blasphemy. Yeah, and, and he's like, oh, no. Nah. I, I saw enough of it. <laughs> he was talking about the uh, the finals. Uh, these kids these days, I'm telling you, they get access to all these games, the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A. You know what roped me in when I was growing up? International soccer. Yes, the World Cup. I can't believe it's only one year away, but we are going to have soccer every single day for a month. Oh, 32 teams right now are fighting tooth and nail to get in, and I can't wait to see who makes it. Um, this is the biggest stage. The World Cup is still the biggest stage for world soccer, for me. I know people point to the Champions League, and it's I would agree the Champions League. the Champions League is the most uh, prestigious and probably the best players in the world because those are professional clubs that hire these players to That's play true. for them. But got a point. there's nothing that matches the passion scene in the World Cup. No, nothing at all. And they could try to recreate it and modify it. No, no way. There's Well, they are trying to modify it with more teams, which would bring more passion because it is more fans. Well, I mean, it all depends on the fans. Mm -hmm. They could be like sitting dead on there and there's nothing. <laughs> but uh, let's dive into South America. Yeah. Argentina and Chile. I just mentioned mm -hmm. this game. 
Ben, what do you think about this game? Well, you know, it's a really exciting time in South America because all of these teams are at a turning point. Um, we have a table of 10 teams. Of course, everyone knows that South American, or if you don't know, the South American region is the most rigorous qualification process. I love the qualifiers there. there. Well, they can make it work because they only have 10 teams. Yeah. But every team plays home and away against each other. So you're playing a total of 18 games to finish your qualifying campaign. That is packed. Um, now, at the point, at this point, the teams are almost divided in two. You have the top five, and of course, the top five make it. Sixth place has to play a playoff in order to try to get in. And the top five teams are all right around that 20-point range. 20 points to 27, I believe, Brazil has at the top. Yeah. Argentina's on the outside looking in, but they're on 19 points. And then below them, I believe you have Paraguay. It's Colombia. No, Colombia. Colombia's in sixth with 18. And then Paraguay, 15 and seventh. Uh, so that's that's going to be interesting for them, and too. And Peru, right? Peru, yeah, in eighth with 14. And, and then, then Bolivia the, and Venezuela, seven and five. Unfortunately, you know, they are knocked out. I'm not count. We can't talk about them. But Peru, Paraguay, Colombia, they all still have a shot to get back in it. Um, but let's get to Argentina, Chile, because this is this is what you brought up to me. This is the best matchup of this FIFA date around the world, in my opinion. I think that, um, you know, this is an established rivalry. I believe that Argentina back in the day used to say if they couldn't win a game, at least they had Chile coming up. <laughs> and how has that changed? Completely. They beat them in two finals in a row. And I do agree with you on that. I think that it is the biggest rivalry right now. Forget about Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, Brazil. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's or even Argentina, Uruguay. Right now, it's Argentina and Chile, and I mean, obviously speaking, like soccer-wise, they hate each other. Yeah, they, they absolutely yeah, hate each other. It, there's absolutely a rivalry there. Um, now we need to talk about, and there's there's reasons for that. Both are soccer mad countries, but there are rivalries between the countries. Yeah, um, there are geopol geopolitical aspects of it um when they were fighting over the the falklands at the bottom or at least there were conflicts in the border disputes there also when it comes to economics did you know that chile is actually making free trade agreements with china and other countries overseas while argentina is still involved involved in mercosur which is kind of a protectionist organization for south american countries i know i'm going off topic and going into politics here but these are real social things that chileans and argentine argentines see every day in their country and when they get a chance to face on the football pitch which is their which is undoubtedly the public's biggest sporting passion you know that the heat is going to be brought um now chile has, like you said, won back-to-back -back Copa Americas, and Juan Antonio Pizzi has La Roja continuing to play with that confidence. That's without a doubt. Um, I mean, they came off their last game beating Uruguay 3-1, uh, and Uruguay's in second place right now. So it's clear that the team still has uh, a lot to show for itself. Yeah, um, actually, the last time they played for the World Cup qualifiers was back in March 24th last year. Argentina won in Santiago de Chile. Um, and you did mention the the finals that Chile won back-to-back, 15-16, uh, in -back, um, penalties. It, it was a penalty shootout. So it technically doesn't count as a loss for Argentina, but Chile has a trophy, and they don't. Uh, that must hurt. Huh? Oh, yeah, that hurt. That, that, knowing that ego that 
that majority i'm not going to say everyone in argentina because that'll be a stereotype but uh you know you know that it is they demand the best joke. yeah yeah and um i was hearing from hernan pereira over at espn deporte shout out to him he's awesome um i'm talking like if i knew him personally but but <laughs> I, I just love his style yeah um he was talking about how in argentina they don't like gonzalo higuain they they're like i'd rather see an injured dibala than uh gonzalo higuain on the pitch and uh God, i i don't understand um i think argentinians are some or argentines i keep switching back and forth do you know what the proper word is i call them both honestly <laughs> whatever i can maybe, remember maybe it's one of those things it's like uh god there's plenty of words like that in english what a weird language um but i think that those fans are incredibly tough on their national team uh you know the pressure that they put on leo messi alone to have him <sighs> considering not coming back to the national team at this point in his career come on i mean these these fans need to have a look at themselves and have a look at the talent that's out there on display. Um, and just be grateful for a second that they have this blessing oh, of having won two World Cups and you know continuously challenging in South America and challenging the best teams of the world and sending players over to play in the best leagues in Europe. And Higuain is one of them. I think that the criticism is uncalled for and they need to reevaluate. Uh, and also you got to mention that they have that luxury of having two of the best players ever in history of soccer, Maradona and Messi. To me, Maradona's number one. And Messi, he could if he would have won that World Cup, I think he would have been number one. And I'm I'm not a person that that says that titles define a player or a player's greatness, but I do think that if Messi would have would have won that World Cup, it would have just sealed it. Best in the best best ever. Yeah, Best so ever. he's still missing that on his checklist. He can but he can still do it. There's a chance for 2018. Yeah, probably he, be his last chance. Yeah, he can still do it, but I think Mexico's going to go all the way. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a little ways to go before Concacaf. <laughs> um, you know, Edgardo Bausa, the te- the coach for Argentina, needs to find the winning combination in the spine of the team. I don't know if Lucas Biglia is the guy to hold down the middle of the field. Um, and Mascherano, of course, is getting older. So uh, where is that midfield dominance? I don't know if it's there. And I think it's going to put too much pressure on Messi again. Um, and then again, the crowd. Will Buenos Aires turn on their team if things aren't going their way? Um, you know, Juan Antonio Pizzi has this team playing with confidence and they're going to attack Argentina, I believe. And that's even with the absence of Arturo Vidal, who's not going to be in there. But they had to have that in the last game. And uh, Leo Valencia actually stepped in quite well. Um, you know, this is going to be a big game, but I'm going for a kind of dull result. I'm saying 1-1. Really? Uh, well, I was just about to ask you, what do you think the key to victory is for, for each team? Uh, what do they have to do to win? Well, Chile need to absorb pressure, hit on the counter, and turn the crowd against Argentina. I don't think that's very difficult. But one needs to note that Chile has never won a qualifier in Argentina. They've forced draws in 96 and 2003, but they've never won in Buenos Aires and in a qualifier. So this is high stakes for them. I don't think they're going to get over that pinnacle this time. So I'm still saying 1-1. The key for victory for Argentina, I think Messi needs to have a big game. And I think he needs to bring some other players into it, like Di Maria and Higuain. 
um, to stick a couple goals past Chile, but that won't be easy. No, not at all. This team, they know each other very, very well. Uh, the key to victory for me for Argentina is to play fearless. Um, they came out so scared in that last Copa America final. Super scared. Uh, my, I remember Martino saying, well, you know, we're going to go out there and, and we're going to try not to lose. What? Uh, 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 that's basically saying, yeah, we're going to lose. Um, and that's a PSG mentality. Yes, it is. That's a big <laughs> PSG mentality. And then uh, for Chile, I think they have to be balanced. They have to play very smart and defend well. If they could defend with the ball, keep the ball possessed, take it away from Argentina, that's a lot to ask for because that, that uh, attacking core that Argentina has, they can pressure, and they can pressure very well. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game for both teams. And considering that Dybala is not going to play, Alexis Sanchez is not going to play. Well, he is going to play, but he's going to be hurt. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? How do you think uh, Sanchez's prospects are for this game? Oh, uh, listen, man. I know he's your boy. Uh, uh, Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> well, just because we have the same name. Um, <laughs> I think that Alexis Sanchez, it doesn't matter if he plays at 70% or at 50%. Physically, mentally, he's there a hundred percent. Except with Arsenal, he—I don't think he gives a shit about Arsenal anymore. <laughs> but uh, with Chile, he's always there. He's always there, and he's giving it his one hundred and ten percent, even though his body's at fifty, sometimes even forty percent. Uh, so I don't think that matters much. Nico Castillo was uh, the Puma striker. He was—he um, was probably going to be the replacement for Alexis Sanchez if he wasn't going to play. But Nico Castillo hurt his ankle against America, so uh, who knows if he's going to play at all against Argentina, which mm -hmm. would be a, a, a very big game for, for him. Can I have a prediction, Alex? Sure. Um, Argentina must win 2-1. It is a must win for them. Yes, it uh, is. So, yeah, let's see if they can get those three points and leapfrog Chile in the standings. Uh, moving on then, I guess we'll be talking about yep. Brazil, Uruguay, huh? Let's go. This, uh, the Maracanazo from 1950. <laughs> yeah, they always bring that up, those Uruguayans, don't they? Yes, they you know, do. it was that game and up until 1970 that the team that scored first in the World Cup final never won the World Cup final. Did you know that? I did not know up that. Up until 1970 when Pele scored that first goal for Brazil. But up until then, uh, in 1950, it was Friasa who scored, and then it was uh, Schiaffino and Gigia, of course, you know, put the nail in the coffin, ruined Moesir Barbosa's life, and uh, yes, of course, has that massive victory over Brazil that they always hang over their heads, and Brazilians will never get over it because they shed king-sized tears into those king-sized Verde Amarillo flags every single time uh, but they to think be, about that. To be fair, they are a five-time world champion. How many, <laughs> yeah. how many teams can uh, show off about that? Yeah, Not Uruguay one, only have them. two, yeah, and that yeah. was back in the 30s. You know, there are some people that argue that Uruguay has four world championships. They, they, they say that um, in 1924 and 1928, the Olympic Games oh, yeah. were considered the World Cup because it was like... Uh, I, it was organized by FIFA or something like that. So there's... Well, FIFA wasn't around until, you know, the, the 1930 World Cup was FIFA's first tournament. But yeah, before then, the Olympic Games were held in high precedence uh, or high standard, not precedence. Um, and both Argentina and Uruguay did really quite well in those. Uruguay came into that 1930 World Cup 
having lost to Argentina in the last one. But I'm going too back into history. I yeah, can talk about talk. that all day. Let's talk about the game coming let's up this weekend. Uruguay have not lost in Montevideo no, the entire campaign. And they have only conceded one goal. And the, in the meantime, Brazil, under their new coach Tite, have won all three of their away games, and they haven't conceded any goals. So we have two teams coming in, one in excellent home form, one in very good away form. Um, the keys to my, to victory for me are can the Brazilian midfield control the game and limit that service to Cavani up top? If they can do that, I think that Brazil has a good chance of coming out of there with a win, um, and Neymar must perform. Listen, uh, you you just mentioned the that Brazil's midfield should be uh, – very solid to avoid Cavani having a good game. And I have the starters, the projected starters for Brazil. And you tell me if you think yeah. this is a, a defensive approach or what do you think about it? Um, Alisson in goal, Dani Alves, Marcelo, Miranda and Marquinhos. Uh, in the middle, Casemiro, Renato and uh, Paulinho. Up top, Neymar, Coutinho and Firmino. Yeah, I can definitely see the defensive strength in that group there. Um, without a doubt, Miranda and Marquinhos are the two center, two choice center backs for Brazil at the moment. And that midfield is certainly defensive with yeah. uh, Casemiro in the middle, uh, often doing the chasing dirty work for oh, yeah, Real Madrid yeah, yeah. that nobody else wants to do. Hey, you need a player like that. You need a, uh, yeah, The you fire need a found it with Dax McCarty. You need somebody who's just going to track down, win those balls, and then give it to somebody more talented. Um, Paulinho and Renato too complete that trio. Um, I think they're going to have a tough, a tough task here. Um, you know, Sanchez and Rodriguez on the wings are very good at getting in behind defenses and could find Cavani with a good cross. Um, so, but I do believe that is the key part of the field will be that Brazilian midfield and, uh, the back line there. Uh, what do you think about Luis Suarez not playing this game? Obviously he can't play because he's, uh, I think he, it was like yellow cards. Yeah. Yeah. One too many. Big loss. Big loss so. for Uruguay. And how many times has he done this for his country? How many times has he been suspended in important games that come up? I don't understand. I, I understand that he plays for arguably the greatest club in the world right now, but he doesn't seem to have that discipline for his national team. And I know that the passion is there, but the guy's got to get something through his head to to not be suspended for these games. I mean, he has the potential to do great things with Uruguay. They could have, you know, I think that they have the potential to go in the next Copa America and make a statement. But if he's not there, you can't count on his goals. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really pity him. I think that it's irresponsible on his part, and his team's going to have to suffer without him. It's funny how at Barcelona, he's not as... Uh as reckless i would say as he is with uruguay because with uruguay he has left his team for dead a couple times 2010 world cup the handball um 2014 what yeah with, with the bite um even with liverpool he he would do that but he stopped doing that once he the got vampire. to barcelona yeah <laughs> um the the bite against chiellini in uh 2014 world cup 2015 he was obviously suspended for that copa america because of that and then 2016 he was hurt and mm -hmm. in, in that Copa America. And, so. Yeah. so, you know, those absences are really, they really affect Uruguay, who are, I would say, a middle-of-the-line South American country, despite them being in second right now. Yeah. I think that there are better teams than them, and I think that they really do need him to be present. But Cavani should do his job of pulling his weight. 
he does, and he understands what it's like to play without Suarez. It's just both of them together are so much better. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And who's fill, who's going to fill in for uh, Suarez? Uh, it's going to be Diego. Is that his name? Diego Roland. He plays for Bordeaux in France. Uh, he's he's going to fill in. He, he's, he's the guy that fills in whenever Suarez is, okay. is out, whenever he's absent. Um, but you're right. When you have Suarez and Cavani, you're just that much more confident. And without Suarez, you're not going to be completely devastated but you are going to be missing a very important piece and um, also I wanted to mention that uh, when Suarez was healthy and when he wasn't suspended Uruguay won a Copa America Mm -hmm. so that impact is actually pretty big and I think I just contradicted myself (laughs) <laughs> no, you know, that's all right. It, it's, I mean, we're just looking back at the, yeah. at the facts and the, the history right now. Um, when it comes to predictions, I'm taking Uruguay 2-1 over the Brazilians. I think they will break down that midfield back line. Um, and I think that Uruguay continue their winning record in Montevideo. I have a 1-1 draw. And I think I'm almost positive that Neymar is going to get booked. He's going to get a yellow card because he always does. Um, Uruguay's key to victory, they have to make the game a little bit dirty. They have to, you know, they have to kick here and there, oh, yeah. push and pull like they always do. They La know energia what to do. Chirua. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what they got. Oh, dude. Uh, that, that's in their DNA. Everybody loves a good, you know, Uruguayan hard tackle. Uh, a la Diego Godin or something like that, man. <laughs> oh, like, man. I mean, so that's, that's, that's the real stuff right there. Um, and, yeah, so it, it's going to be really interesting. I think that it will be a feisty game, though. Yeah, and for Brazil, if they want to win this game, which it's going to be tough, but if they want to win this game, I think what they have to do, very simple, impose their will. Yeah, very simple. Uh, just impose their will and don't let Uruguay play the game that they want to play because if they fall uh, to that trap, it's going to be a long, long night for Brazil, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a very fun one. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're done with South America. How about we look at the table once again? Yeah. Uh, Brazil, first place, 27 points. Uruguay in second with 23 points. They're going to face off. Uh, third place, Ecuador, uh, tw- 20 points with three... 20 points, third place. Go ahead. Ecuador have a massive game against Paraguay coming yeah, up. Yeah, they do. Um, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Now, if you remember, Ecuador was top of the table. Um, at the beginning of these qualifiers. Right, yeah, right at the beginning. Now they're still and they're still in third, and, and they're an impressive team um, at home. Away, I think that they lose a little bit because of the altitude and all that stuff that they have at home. Sure, but, you know, but they can certainly still hold their own. Um, yeah, now sure. they're going to be missing Renato Ibarra. Uh, he's going to be missing from their team, but the talent's still there. Paraguay are kind of decimated by injuries too. Yeah, they are, and is it? I, I heard something. I think Pablo Aguilar is suspended from all activity. Yeah, that'll be an entire year suspension for him. Uh, FIFA imposed, so he'll be missing, along with Miguel Samudio. Look at me calling out the two Paraguayans on America. But Mi- Samudio is injured, so he will be missing, oh, uh, along wow. with Nelson Haido Valdez, uh, who plays for the Seattle Sounders, won't be there either. So um, Paraguay are on the outside looking in. This is a must win for them because they are playing in Asuncion. And Ecuador haven't won in Asuncion in Paraguay. Um, so I think that Paraguay need to win this game to get themselves back into the table. Uh, Chile in fourth place with 20 points. They're tied with Ecuador. The goal difference is the only thing that that, tie, that breaks that tie. Argentina at the playoff spot. 
fifth with 19. Then Colombia fighting for that spot as well, sixth with 18 points. Paraguay, you were just mentioning, uh, seventh place with 15 points. Peru, they're also fighting for that playoff spot. They're in eighth with 14 points. And then the two teams that we can pretty much call dead uh, at this point, mm-hmm. Bolivia, ninth with seven points, and then Venezuela, who were sort of promising coming into this qualifier but then they just fell to pieces completely it's a slippery slope when you start losing games in south america and mm, they yeah. did a lot of that early on five points and that's the table for south america you said it at the beginning before we started breaking all this down you said that it's it kind of like divides in half it's the top against the bottom the bottom is pretty much fighting mm-hmm. for one spot while the top teams are Pretty much in... uh, Already looking at Russia. Yeah, they're already (laughs) focusing on that. Now let's go a little bit north. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about the CONCACAF. And we're going to start off with USA and Honduras. Even though that is the second game. um, Well, it's the third game. It goes right after Mexico and Costa Rica. But since Mexico and Costa Rica, for me, is is the quote-unquote main event. We'll talk about that last. USA, Honduras, Bruce Arena's first, his second debut pretty much. With um, with the United States, what do you think about this game? <laughs> well, Bruce Arena coming back—that's where I need to start. He will be making his second debut as uh, national team head coach, and this guy really pulls no punches. He, in an interview, was asked where does he rank USA among the Concacaf powers. You know what he said? He ranks them last in the in the hexagonal. He ranks them last. Because that's exactly where they are right now. Yes, because they have right. lost both of their games, and they are—you know—they have nothing right now, and it's a bad spot to be early on. Um, Bruce Arena, they say never come back, but he's here, and I think that he's going to get back to basics with this team. He's going to emphasize defensive shape. There were way too many spaces in that game against Costa Rica for them to exploit. Way too many. So he's going to tighten that up, bring the lines closer together, and maybe look at hitting on set plays. Um, you know, that has traditionally been, yep, a uh, benefit of the American players is that they have some extra height to them. Uh, maybe Omar Gonzalez will come back into the uh, into the defense along with, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Brooks is the other one. I think he's hurt, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did he's, hear rumors that he might not be healthy. Um, but uh, Walker Zimmerman, who plays for FC Dallas, might be called in. Um, and then, I, yeah, hit on set plays and counterattacks. But I think that the USA really do need to take some time to get back to basics. And I don't know if Bruce Arena has had enough time. That's what makes me worried about this game, is that he hasn't had enough time to work with his European contingent and blend them with the MLS players that he's called up. So I wonder how that outlook is going to be. But I think he has a pretty decent chance of getting a result against a weaker Honduras team. He mentioned that a three-defender formation might be possible. How would that work without uh, Brooks? Um, Well, I think that Walker Zimmerman might come in. I certainly count on Omar Gonzalez uh, making the team there because he's having like spectacular results with Pachuca down in the Liga MX. Um... And then, I don't know, I think that third place uh, spot would definitely be up for grabs. Um, Jeff, or Jeff Cameron playing over in Stoke. Um, now, they're looking to him to be a right back because Timmy Chandler is suspended and DeAndre Yedlin, who plays for Newcastle, is hurt. So they don't really have anybody at right back, but Jeff Cameron has 
proven. I mean, he plays right back for Stoke, so he can certainly step in. Um, and yeah, I, I think that it's really going to be about defending solidly and maybe finding the faster players like Bobby Wood, Christian Pulisic. Bobby Wood is out, actually. <sighs> He's out. So a lot of injuries, man. They it's, keep poking it's, holes it's... in my lineup, Alex. No, thanks for fact-checking on me uh, on that, dude. Um, but what about Jordan Morris? I mean, that guy's a young and up-and-coming player, having played for the senior national time, team before he was even a professional player. That's crazy. So <laughs> it's, That's crazy. Uh, so it's... It, it's exciting to see the young talent that uh, some of these American players are showing. A uh, quick question for you. Where would you put Pulisic on the pitch? For me, I think it's pretty clear where I would put him, at least here. And Borussia Dortmund, completely different, but where would you put him? I think I would put him as a left-leaning forward player. Um, I think I would give him a little bit of freedom to go up and down that wing and to uh, be a little bit, uh, be an inverse winger if he needs to, to cut inside. Um, but yeah, I think he's a player that needs a little bit of freedom. He said, and he was quoted that he's always wanted to play like Luis Figo and, uh, be a little bit of that creative midfielder role and, you know, have, have some freedom on the left. How about you? I would put him, um, in the middle as a creative midfielder, but obviously he's, he's good on both wings. He's very good on, on both wings. He can get at his players and his defenders. Yeah. And, um, but I think what USA needs is someone creative, someone young, someone fast, someone talented in the middle to feed Dempsey, to feed Altador if he's not hurt because he's mm. always hurt, um, to feed those beasts. And once you give the ball to Dempsey and Altador, let them do their thing. And they need someone. So you're saying it's not Michael Bradley to be that guy? Uh, I don't. I, I don't. I've always had my doubts about Michael Bradley ever since he came back from Europe. I don't think he's the same player. And, uh, yeah, well, what if Benny Failhaber might be able to fill that role. Uh, I know that he's not young, but he certainly does have the vision. Um, and I know that he was called up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him reinitiated into that team. Um, the last time I watched a Bruce Arena team was actually the uh, Gold Cup final against Mexico 2006. <sighs> Seven? Seven, yes, and I remember. That was Benny Fail. Were you at that game? I was at that game. Yeah. Yes, I was. Yeah. Well, you too. saw me? No, it's... no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but... I was like fucking. It's. I was like seven years old. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was in high school too. And uh, yeah, Benny Failhaber is definitely a a favorite of Bruce Arena. Uh, that was a great strike. It, it broke yes, my heart, but that was a great strike. Yes, it was. And uh, yeah, well, and look to the timeless Demarcus Beasley to be on that left wing. Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, ex-Chicago fire player. I'm uh, that guy. Never seems to age. So Did Demarcus good on Beasley him. play in the two, 2002 World Cup, or am I? He did. Oh my God! Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's been around a while. He has been. Um, it might be a bit of a uh, uh, an issue for him though. Honduras. They seem to be getting a couple new young fast wingers. Albert Ellis. Over in uh, MLS, playing with Houston Dynamo, has shown that he has incredible pace. And if we know how Honduras are going to play, they'll likely do what they always do, which is pack the back and wait for the counterattack. So we might be looking at two counterattacking teams here in the in USA and Honduras. Um, and I think that Oscar Baniak Garcia is also very important for um, Jorge Luis Pinto um, to anchor that midfield. And um, but I don't really see much of a way for Honduras to get at this team to you know 
put him under a whole lot of pressure. I think what Honduras needs to do to get at least a point, uh, they have to frustrate USA. They really have to defend well and kind of let USA have the ball. And then I'm pretty sure USA isn't going to be used to possessing and trying to find the space when when they have the ball. They're, they're more used to, like you said, counterattacking. So I think if you do that, I think that's pretty smart. But I think USA might want to do the same. Um, although I think USA, what they really should do is impose their home field advantage, something that they couldn't do against Mexico back in November, even though they did it for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do it now. And they got to get that crowd engaged quickly, quickly. Although the, the outlaws are very faithful. So I think that that won't be a, a big a very big problem, but you also got to keep in mind USA hasn't won a game and they're in last place. No points. No points. It's an extremely difficult situation for Bruce Arena to come into, but yeah, look to the Avaya Stadium in San Jose to be rocking. I believe with those outlaws, um, and I do think they'll try to make it as much of a fortress as possible. I'm seeing USA squeak by Honduras one zero in this game. I have it two zero. For, for USA, and uh, I do think they are going to suffer, though. I'm pretty sure they're going to suffer, and it's going to be a tough game for them. But they have they, they need these three points. If they don't get these three points, if, even if they only get one, that's bad. That's bad because they have none right now. They need to get three points to get back into the mix, to leave Trinidad and Tobago in the dust and just forget about them and focus on qualifying to the World Cup because it would suck, honestly. It would suck to not see them in, in the World Cup. Yeah, they would be missed, that's for sure, especially for this country. So I do think they'll get their first three points of the Hopefully tournament they do. Honduras. Hopefully they do. Now let's dive in to Mexico and Costa Rica because this game, I love how everyone talks about El Aztecaso and this and that. Yeah, that happened how long ago? Uh, 2001, 17? I think that it was 2000. So it it was 2001. Happened. June okay. fuck, June 16th. 2001, if I'm not mistaken. I looked it up online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, not that I remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually my grandma's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was 16 years ago. And Costa Rica hasn't won in, in Mexico since. So is that really a factor still? Or is it that Costa Rica, they have a good team. They're sticking back to their basics like they did in, in the World Cup, playing with a backline of five. And the altitude is more of a problem for the Mexicans now than it is for for uh, the players in, that go in and the visiting players that, that go to Mexico. What do you think about this game, Ben? Well, that's what they talk about, um, the issue with the altitude. And, yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Both teams have a lot of European-based players, so it's going to take a lot to acclimate to that altitude for both of them. I don't think the Azteca is as intimidating as it used to be. Not There's at all. Certainly, I mean, they've been playing every qualifier there. There's going to be a way for teams to adapt and get used to it and be ready to come to prepared and ready to play. Um, when it comes to Mexico, God, this injury hit. How difficult is that? A lot. I'm just going to name some of the players that, that were hurt before they uh, Osorio announced the, the roster. Tecatito Corona, Gio Dos Santos, Marco Fabian, Javier Aquino, and Irving Lozano. Chucky Lozano, that's five before he even announced his roster. And now, Guardado out, mm-hmm. uh, and Hector Moreno, he had some sort of muscle injury, something like that. He might play. It's almost a, a for sure thing that he's going to play, but he's going to be hurt. Yeah, losing Guardado, 
Guardado is still, for me, the best player on this team. He is the cog in the middle of the machine that makes it all tick. And he is a big loss for them after he's been having a good season for PSV. Uh, Mexico, of course, still riding high after four points from the initial games. Um, and I don't see them being low on confidence. I think Chicharito is coming in with a chance to be the leading Mexican goal he's scorer been, in he, history. He's been having that chance since the Copa America has scored. I mean, scored, well, man. it's going to happen. In, it's oh, going to inevitably happen. Hopefully, yeah. So with this chance it, in the Azteca against Costa Rica, I think that I will see, I will see them coming out to attack. Um, and the players are going to Cuernavaca to prepare for the yeah. altitude. I did read that. So that's good they're getting a couple couple breaks in there. Um, I'm looking to Jonathan Dos Santos and Jurgen Dam to step in. Um, I think that Jonathan Dos Santos has displayed at Villarreal that he has the ability to command a midfield. So he can step in in Guardado's absence and uh, really and try to be that anchor in the midfield. Um, and perhaps Herrera and Orbelin Pineda can step in next to him and make something happen if they want to stick to that three-man midfield. Um, we'll have to see. Jurgen Damm, I think, is very versatile and can actually play on the right wing and do a little defensive work, too. So it might He's not... so pacey, man. That guy's so fast. He can. He gets yeah. from point A to point B like that. I know. He doesn't and need much time. No. So And I do believe that he's a player who could crack into Europe at some point. Um, and really? You think yes. so? Yes. I, I think his time is... He's how old is he now? 24, 23? Yeah, that's still plenty of time. I mean, most players hit their peak at 28, 29. I mean, if he needs to make that move, and he has been asked a couple times to go over there, he's playing for a top class Tigres team right now. Why would he leave? Uh, maybe when his contract runs up, he'll make that jump. I think I still think he has every ability to go over there and do that. Um, let's see, what does it he's, say there? He's 24. 24, years, 24 old. That, years old. That's still young, and he still has the ability to make that jump, whether he be playing in Spain, Netherlands, Portugal. There are teams that would want him on their, you know, in their squad because he definitely does have that pace. Uh, so I hope the best for him. Um, I'm also looking up top to, uh, let's see, of course, Chicharito, and then perhaps Vela. Can we see? Can we see him coming in? Is he in this? Is he in the squad? Uh, I actually have the starting eleven that's going to be playing that. on Friday. <laughs> um, I don't agree with some of this, but it is what it is. That's what he has. Um, Ochoa in goal, Salcedo on the right, uh, Layun on the left, Araujo, uh, Hector Moreno, Rafa Marquez in the middle, Hector Herrera on the right. Orbelín Pineda stepping in for Andres Guardado on the left. Uh, and then Jurgen Dam on, out on the right. Carlos Vela on the left. And Chicharito up top. Okay, so there are some very talented attackers that are still in this team that have the footwork to get at these Costa Rican defenders and make something happen. Um, so, yeah, I think that they're going to go in without any fear and, and have to go at Costa Rica. Costa Rica, on the other hand... I think they're going to have another Astacaso on their head, in their mind. I mean, they've gone eight qualifiers without winning a game, without winning a game, without <laughs> losing a game. Um, and there are veterans like Kaylor Navas and Salso Borges who hold down that, that spine of the midfield. They did lose the, uh, Oscar Duarte, ACL tear, so 
he's that's, missing. Yeah, yeah that, that's that, a pretty big. Yeah, that is a big piece for them. I know that he's uh, done well and has you know also played in Europe um, and has that experience. Um, and then the mercurial Joel Campbell. We're talking about how fast uh, Dom is on the right. Man, they have somebody who can do the same thing. And he's and he's a goal scorer too. Mm-hmm. He's a goal scorer. Dom not so much, but Joel Campbell. Joel yes, Campbell. He is. Yeah, absolutely. He can certainly step in. Um, so. I think that Costa Rica will be brought back down to earth. I think that Mexico wins this game 2-1 and, um, and log those seven points for um, out of three games of qualifying. Hopefully. That's the same prediction that I have, 2-1. Yeah. It, it's going to be a tough game, though. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's look at it from a different perspective. What do you think Costa Rica has to do to win this game? I think Costa Rica needs to go at Mexico to win this game. I really do. I think that um, sitting back isn't going to cut it. I think that Mexico's back line is looking a little bit patchy, and there is an ability to get at some of these players, especially with Joel Campbell, and see if they can break through. Um, I think an early goal for Costa Rica would certainly quiet the Azteca crowd and heap a ton of pressure on Mexico to make something happen. So I think if they want to get a win... They need to attack early and make sure and make it known that they're not going to be bossed around. I think that's a lot more harder or a lot more easier said than done. So um, yeah, that's why I'm still taking Mexico. Let's talk about Juan Carlos Osorio now. Um, Juan Carlos Osorio, a man that some people like, some people don't. Uh, some people agree with what he does with his teams. I don't personally agree with what he does, but again, he's a coach. I'm not. Uh, Ben, what do you think about Juan Carlos Osorio's job as of now here in in the Mexican national team? With the Mexican national team. Okay, well, let's look at Juan Carlos Osorio's credentials, first of all. He's a bachelor in exercise science from Southern Connecticut University. He's a certified coach from the Liverpool Academy and the Royal Netherlands Football Federation. Oh, whoa. So... He is without a doubt an educated man. Yes, he oh, has yeah, no worked, doubt about that. No doubt. Who about has that. worked in soccer and sports science for a very long time, um, and he, he implores perfection and 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 real tactical knowledge from his players. And now let's look at his record with Mexico: fourteen wins, three ties, one loss. One loss. That what was a, that one loss? It was a 7-0 loss mm. to Chile, to a Chile team that was at the top of their game, that yeah. won the Copa America. True. That's That true. was inspired. That accidentally, well, not accidentally, but that came <laughs> across a Mexico lineup that certainly was not prepared from the moment they stepped out on that pitch to take Chile seriously. I put that loss down to Juan Carlos Osorio's team selection and the players' lack of motivation for that for that game. I do not blame Juan Carlos Osorio for that. He does change his lineups constantly because that is, and that is because he is looking for two competitive teams for Mexico. Mexico have more depth in all their positions than any other countries in CONCACAF. And I would argue in South America as well. I think that Juan Carlos Osorio is imploring more Mexicans to go to Europe which is a great way to improve. I think Jurgen Damm, Jesus Molina, Orbelin Pineda all have futures in Europe. And Juan Carlos Osorio wants to see that 
from this team. He is the right man for the job because he knows what it takes to win titles. Um, and, and that's European experience. So he wants to stay on after Russia. I 100% agree. Keep this scientific coach on. Let's not give in to the Mexican hysteria, which you are bringing up from the <laughs> one zero set or the one loss, which was seven zero. I'm not buying into that. This coach needs to last the entire cycle, and he needs to be given time to go into the next one. Because I'm sick of being of Mexico being a revolving door for coaches that don't even want to come in and take the job that's, anymore. It's that's a disgrace. True. That's true, and I agree with you 100% on that. I think that. If if Mexico wanted to um, to keep a coach, I think he's he's the man for the job because he's he's there right now. Uh, I think that Juan Carlos Osorio, like you said, he's a he's a scientific coach. He's smart. He's a genius. He's a soccer genius. So why don't you like him? Because of the constant rotation that he does with the team. I think that even in in the well, if you want to do that with a club, that's okay because you train with them every single day and you have two three games a week. Go ahead, do that with the club. But with the national team, you only see them once every two or three months, maybe. Keep a, a strong core, and then from there, if there's a couple injuries, if you want to try out a new player, bring him in. But don't change the entire team up. Don't change the entire formation up. Just That's my only knock on Juan Carlos Osorio. And also, I didn't like the way that he came in and, and the way he talked to the Mexican public. Like, okay... Everyone sit down. You're all going to listen to me. That Well, at least that's what I interpreted. Um, you're going to listen to me. I'm smarter. I'm, I'm a scientist. And I went to this and I went to that. And you guys are going to listen to everything that I say because I, well, I don't, I, I don't know if he said that he was completely right. I didn't get that. But are I, you I in, think that the you're way, inferring this. You're yeah, inferring I'm, I'm inferring this. Right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a, 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 a I don't want to say arrogant, but... I'm I'm not saying that he feels superior because I've seen interviews with um, Jose Ramon Fernandez, um, other great analysts from ESPN and Univision and all these other companies and uh, networks. Not co- well, they are companies too. Um, and he looks like a down-to-earth man, but the way that he started, he gained a lot, a lot of quote-unquote enemies in the media. And I remember, I remember perfectly, there was people ripping him to, ripping him apart after what he said. And they're like, oh, this guy is such an arrogant. It's, they didn't say prick, obviously, because they don't speak the mm-hmm. language. But they're like, oh, he's, he's so arrogant. He comes in and he thinks he knows everything. But when, when he was in Puebla, he failed. And, you know, all that stuff. And, and I remember that perfectly. But my only knock on Juan Carlos Osorio well, is... Well, no, hold on. I get, oh, No, no, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. My only knock, on, only Juan, knock. on Juan Carlos Osorio is that he switches the team up a little bit too much. I think he should keep a core, stick to it. If he doesn't like a player, if he doesn't like a couple of players, then switch them around and that's it. That's... Going back to what you said about the media and how he created enemies... That is the sign of a federation and a media that does not want to change. Mexico for so long has not wanted to change their approach. They have not wanted to go to this idea of more Europeans coming into the team. They want to see pride in their Liga MX. I don't know how that's going to work with their 10-8 rule now. Exactly. And Juan Carlos Osorio has been extremely critical about that. There is a difference between being arrogant and being an authority. And with his credentials and his record, he is the authority. 
for Mexican soccer right now. And everybody should listen to him because he is the guy who is going to take this team of only 13 Mexicans right now, only 13 Mexicans play in Europe. In order to get to that other level, like Brazil and Argentina, they have hundreds of players playing over there. There is a long process, and I think his idea of getting these young Mexican players to go over to Europe and to play for, you know what, they don't have to play for Barcelona. No. They don't have to play for Leverkusen, but they can play for teams in Portugal, in Spain, in but, Italy, but that will the take problem. them in. Here, here's the problem. They they do go to Europe, and good for them. That's great because they're they're learning. But some of them rarely play. Raul Jimenez, sure, he might have been injured a couple times. How many games did he play at, at Atletico Madrid? He didn't play many. Now at Benfica, he rarely plays. He hasn't scored a goal in 2017. But he's arguably one of their most talented players. Maybe he needs a, another team, a different change. Well, I mean, there yeah. are there are mid-level teams over there that play in these great leagues that they can go to. I, Jimenez... I, I don't know what his agent has been doing, but he has sent him. I mean, going to Atletico was a bit too much of a jump for him, but he has that ability. And I think that just being there and experiencing a different soccer culture, training with these teams, and of of course you need games. Of course you do. So if it doesn't work for you, you as a player and your representative have the obligation to find a way to play more games. I don't think Osorio is picking players that that aren't playing any games. But I think that he needs what he means is players need to go over there and play for middle level clubs. Hell, sign let QPR sign a Mexican player and see what they can learn from that championship level because USA has done that for a long time. I mean, some of the greatest players, the greatest defenders for the United States, like Tim Ream, um, Carlos Bocanegra, all played in the English second division at one time. And I think it's super important for them to go over. And I think that Juan Carlos Osorio has the best interests of these young Mexican players in mind, and he is the right guy for the job. I want to see him take this team to Russia, and I want to see him going on afterwards. End of my rant. What does Osorio have to do to shut all the detractors, including me, up? Nothing. You guys need to stop detracting <laughs> from a 1-7-0 loss. He has, won, he has won many more games. 14 wins, three ties. Just let the dude do his job. I mean, let, us, let him qualify us for the World Cup and just get behind the team. And that includes the manager. So, Alex, I won't let you off the hook on this one. No, that's fine, you know? dude. That's fine. I want to argue with someone yes. about this because everyone that I talk, oh, yeah, he's he does this, he does that. And, you know, some of it is like, okay, you're just talking just to talk. But if you have relevant points, then bring them up. Um, you know, and it's funny because I, I don't know if I mentioned this. When the microphones were turned on, Ronaldo, a frequent guest, he hasn't been here in a while, though. Um, he said that Osorio hasn't done a, a good job. He said that um, that if anything, the team has kind of gone back. And mm. <laughs> I can no, I can't even fathom. I can't even entertain that thought right now because I think the team has improved way more than it has regressed. Absolutely. I don't think the team has has regressed, but I do think that the team hasn't improved all that much. Because, you know, when you have a guy coming in like this and talking, you, uh, well, I don't want to say selling himself high because, I mean, he is a very smart man and I got to give that to him because he has way more degrees than I'll ever have. But um, when, when someone comes in with that 
attitude, you think, okay, dude, we're gonna be world, we're gonna be world beaters. We're gonna beat Argentina, Brazil, Spain, Germany. Bring them on. But then you see him struggle against Honduras for the first forty-five minutes, and then um, against well, his first game against El Salvador. That's that's you can't really measure that because it's El Salvador. You know. How can you measure this coach when he hasn't even completed a World Cup cycle yet? He hasn't even gone through World Cy- a World Cup cycle, and people are already asking for him to to lead. I mean, to that he's not the right guy for the job. I don't understand that. You need to give this guy more games. He's only had eighteen games with the national team. Let him continue to develop these players. When it comes to being world beaters, that that's not going to happen mm-hmm. no, overnight. Happen. That is a process. And what he's trying to do right now is earnestly begin that process of making Mexico better for the future so one day we can dream about World Cup finals. Maybe he won't take them to one, but at least he'll work to set the groundwork up for the team. Ho- well, hopefully. Hopefully. I wish him the best because he's the coach of the, of the national team. I I've been a fan ever since I can remember of the of this Mex- Mexican national team. Uh, so many coaches, I don't even remember all of them. Uh, so I do, you know, they were talking after that 7-0 loss, they were talking about getting rid of Osorio and I'm like and I I actually said, don't get rid of him. Let's keep the process going. We're not obviously we're not happy because we lost 7-0, but just keep him. Or you know, if you want to get rid of him, you better bring a really good coach that's going to stay and is going to take us all the way to the World Cup. And you're not going to cut his head off in freaking June when Mexico can't qualify to, or is like two spots behind even a playoff spot. And that's like so, asking the Mexican Federation as if it was a zebra to lose its stripes because those people are impatient as hell and they won't change. So... I've had I've said what I've had to say. Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio is the right man for the job, and I I wish him the best too because it is the team that I love as well. Yeah, I, again, just because I don't agree with what he does with the team doesn't mean that I'm not completely behind him. I'm completely behind him, dude. Completely behind him. I just don't agree with some of the things that he does. And everybody has the right to criticize. So yeah, that was a good dialogue. Yeah, oh, for sure. This was fucking <laughs> Open awesome. Open the dialogue. Yeah, so you said, uh, what was the prediction? 2-1? Two, 2-1. Two, one? Two, one. Two, one. That's mine as well. 2-1 mm-hmm. uh, Mexico. Hopefully, it becomes a reality because that would be a huge boost for the Mexican national Going team. into the Trinidad game? God, I can't think of any more confidence they'll need. huh? Oh, another question before we finish this off. Do you think the Confederations Cup is a good tournament to measure Juan Carlos Osorio's uh, progress with the Mexican national team or is it like a blow-off tournament just for money no I think it's a good tournament to measure his progress uh, it's it, they're competitive games and what's essentially a warm-up for the World Cup I think it's Chile's perfectly appropriate perfectly Portugal. appropriate to um, to evaluate the team I don't think it's cut and dry oh you know success versus failure but it's it's a great opportunity that all the other teams from CONCACAF aren't going to have, you know, an opportunity to measure the team. I think that's what you need to take it for. If Mexico wins the thing or goes far, great. If not, what can we do to change it? So I'm, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't really have too much to say about that tournament. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about that when, it, when it's near. But I think what Mexico needs, the federation, the players, they need a little bit more self-criticism. They like to blame other things. And it's like, dude, if you didn't win or if you didn't have a good game, it's because of you. It's the grass, <laughs> the ball. Come on, man. 
I didn't even use that excuse when I was freaking seven years old, you know? So Well, excuses are like assholes, right? Everybody has one and they all stink. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. We're going to end it there. Okay. That, no, that's a very good... <laughs> no, I'm not going to cut it. Please. Right. <laughs> good chat, Ben. Okay. Good chat. Uh, we'll have you on again very, very soon. Oh, For yeah, sure, of course. Um, you know, one. there was one last thing that, oh, I, wanted, go ahead. that I wanted to plug, actually. Go ahead. Um, I don't know who, any, if anybody listens to this is an avid reader, but very, sometimes it's very difficult to find a book about soccer that isn't a reference book, that isn't um, a player's autobiography. There is one that I want to plug, and it's called God is Round. And it was released by um, Mexican author Juan Villoro, who has written many books before. He's, actually, he's a screenwriter, a playwright, um, a poet, and he's also an author. He came out with this book, God is Round, and I need to recommend it because it's been an amazing read for me. Um, it's essentially short, I don't want to call them essays, but they're like short little essays with anecdotes in them that just go through the past of oh, soccer yeah. and little, you know, themes that we all know. Why do the Germans always win? Um, <laughs> Cause they're that freaking good. Yeah, you know, and what was it about Pele's first goal in that 70 world cup that actually broke that curse of the first teams score of the team scoring first losing that um and, and he goes in depth with he has such a rich knowledge of the history of world soccer and he's currently um lecturing at princeton and yale here in america so he's very very knowledgeable pick up god is round at uh your library or get it on amazon amazon's the way um, to go man <laughs> yeah it is I'm a bit of an old timer here um it's a great book um i really recommend it Awesome. I I just wrote it down on my notes. I'm definitely going to pick it up. Uh, I haven't read a book in... Ooh, I read a Mourinho biography back in senior year. Uh, like I guess the, the first, special one. Yeah, the first semester. I, I was... I'm still a big fan of, of Mourinho, but lately he just says some shit that's completely out, outrageous. And I'm like, dude... Well, Vioro yeah. brings up Mourinho in this okay. book, so definitely pick it up and take a look. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to order it. And I have Amazon Prime, so... It, it's all good. We're, we're chilling. We're chilling. It'll be here. If I ordered it today, it'll be here by Friday. Uh, yeah, Ben, plug yourself away, dude. Twitter. Oh, whatever. yeah. Um, you can follow me at Meza, M-E-Z-A, uh, Ben. So M-E-Z-A-B-E-N. You can find me on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Ben Meza. Keep it very, very simple. Um, that is you know, your name. Yes, please uh, give me a follow or request me on Facebook if you want to talk all things uh, soccer MLS is starting up, so I'm I'm definitely following that 100%. Keep up with all the games and the Chicago Fire, without a doubt. Alex, come out to Toyota Park. Oh, we now have, I am. We now have I a am. star player. Now I am. <laughs> now, now I am. And I, I was telling my friends. Uh, I was telling my mom. I'm like, yeah, now I'm I'm gonna be at the fire game. I can't wait to convert some more people into fire fans. Oh, it's a sure. great experience. You know, um, the next game is April 1st, April Fool's Day against Montreal, and then after that we have the Clasico del Midwest against uh columbus i was there when we yep. went to columbus on opening day and it was raucous so i know that when columbus comes to um to chicago i'll be in there with sector latino and we're gonna make sure that those uh stinking yellow fans go home with nothing it, it's funny it's ironic because uh in mls you're um you're a chicago fire fan chicago fire wears red and your arch rival is columbus crew they wear yellow um and in mexico 
you're an America fan. They wear yellow, and your arch rival is Chivas, which wears red uh, and how white. The tables so have turned. It, it's pretty funny, but that's how <laughs> soccer is. That's yep. exactly how soccer is. Yep. Anything else? No, sir. It, it was a pleasure being on. I'm looking forward to all these qualifiers and uh, talking to oh, talking so about them soccer. with you. So much soccer. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. All it's right. always coming through. We always have stuff to talk about. Yes. The good thing about soccer is that it doesn't end. It just doesn't end. Yeah, much to my mom's chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at PerezTBE. Hasn't changed. I'll have it linked in the description. And you can read my articles, uh, playingfor90.com. Uh, that, that's on my Twitter. I'll have that linked as well. And just subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That helps us a lot. Like it on SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, oh, also like the Final Third Facebook page. And follow me on Instagram and on Snapchat. Nothing has changed. Perez TBE. Take care, people. Watch a lot of soccer. Goodbye.